you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, October 25th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a bit of an early look at the Orioles' 40-man roster crunch that they have coming up this season and what the O's need to do this offseason to, first of all, get the roster down to where they need it just to add back their injured players on the 60-day injured list and then open up more space for potential free agents, potential waiver claims down the line, and also, of course, the prospects that need to be added to the 40-man roster to be protected from this winter's Rule 5 draft. So we will talk about all that here on the podcast into three segments. First, we will start with looking at how the 40-man roster is constructed at the moment. Orioles made some moves over the weekend to free up some space on that roster. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about who is still left and who will be added in the next couple of days. Then we'll talk about players who are currently on the 40-man roster who could be in danger of losing their spot this offseason, whether it's to open up space for a prospect or a free agent signing or a waiver claim as well. And then at the end of the pod in the final segment, we'll take a look at those prospects specifically and who is eligible to be added to the 40-man roster and who is eligible to potentially be taken away in the Rule 5 draft. And we'll take kind of an early look at who could be in the running to be added to the 40-man roster this offseason. So all that is coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. And before we get to it, just wanted to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free and available on all podcast platforms. And remember, this is the only podcast bringing you Orioles news, analysis, rumors, anything you could want about the O's five days a week. Monday through Friday, you wake up, there's a new episode of Locked On Orioles in your preferred podcast <laughs> listening app. And we thank you so much for making Locked On Orioles, again, your first listen every day. And after you do that, maybe scroll down on that Apple Podcasts app if that is where you listen. Leave us a rating and a review. That really, really helps out the pod and continues to let us bring you Locked On Orioles five days a week, even here in the off season as well. So today on the pod, we take a look at the Orioles' 40-man roster crunch. And what I mean is that every single offseason, teams end the year with guys, you know, usually with a full 40-man roster. You know, obviously you have a 25 or 26 now player active roster, but there are 40 guys, you know, some of them on the injured list or some of them in AAA who can easily be moved up and down between AAA and the big leagues. And the Orioles, as they usually do, have a full 40-man roster heading into the offseason. And that means a lot of moves need to be made because, you know, throughout the season, you put players on the 60-day injured list when they have season-ending injuries. When that happens, you free up a spot on the 40-man, but those players need to be placed back onto the 40-man roster in the offseason to keep them in the organization. Then, of course, you have to make room for improvements. We know the Orioles are going to try to improve the team at least a little bit this offseason through waiver claims, maybe some trades, some free agent signings. So you got to free up space. For those kind of guys, and then you have the prospects. This was obviously a huge thing last offseason for the Orioles when they had to add guys like Yusniel Diaz, Ryland Bannon, and such to the 40-man roster. And of course, uh, the big thing was they did not protect Zach Pop on the 40-man roster. He was taken by the D-backs in the Rule 5 draft. They immediately traded him to the Marlins. And Zach Pop stayed with the Marlins all year. He is now a Miami Marlin heading into 2022. 
But it's a lot of decisions to make for the Orioles because they had some guys they felt like they should keep over a guy like Zach Pop last offseason. And we're going to get to all of that and what it looks like this offseason for the Orioles. But wanted to start with what the 40-man roster looks like at the moment for the O's and also kind of what it will look like once the World Series ends. Of course, it'll be the Braves and the Astros starting the World Series. Game one is tomorrow night. Uh, should be a solid series. But once that ends, the offseason kind of officially starts in Major League Baseball, and teams do have to take kind of a closer look at their 40-man rosters literally just the day after the World Series concludes. And for the Orioles, like many teams who are out of the playoffs at this point, or never obviously made the playoffs this year, they have kind of started to, you know, make some moves on that 40-man roster. Now, the Orioles finished the season with a full 40-man, but they had already made some moves. Travis Lakins had been outrighted off the roster. How He had passed through waivers. He was on the 60-day injured list. Uh, but there are other guys who have had that same fate this weekend for the Orioles. Also, Zach Birdie was put on waivers. Now, if you remember Birdie, uh, he was a former first-round pick by the White Sox. Orioles claimed him on waivers earlier this season. He made one relief appearance for the Orioles, pitched a scoreless inning back in early September, then was sent down to AAA, never really materialized into anything. Orioles put him on waivers, and the Diamondbacks claimed him. He is now in Arizona. So, Birdie did free up one spot on the 40-man. Then, the Orioles made some other moves this weekend as they outrighted Austin Wins, Pat Faleka, Thomas Eshelman, and Connor Wade off the 40-man roster. That means those four players were put onto waivers. All four of those players passed through waivers and stayed with the Orioles organization and essentially were sent onto the AAA Norfolk roster and are off the 40-man. Now, all of those players, because that happened, can choose free agency instead of staying with the Orioles organization. And interestingly enough, Austin wins. The talk is that he potentially may choose free agency. Now, there's always a chance the Orioles could bring him back on a minor league deal. They like the depth he brings and his catcher defense, obviously, but wins Faleka, Eshelman, and Wade, and we'll see how many of them, you know, choose free agency and how many of them just kind of stick with the Orioles in AAA. I would expect a guy like Vileka to choose free agency, and the Orioles might choose it for him because with him now outrighted off the 40-man, he's going to be non-tendered by the Orioles. They're not going to give him a contract in arbitration. So that puts the roster down to 35 players on the 40-man at this very moment. But the Orioles had to, at the very least, get down to 35 because the Orioles had five players who were still on the 60-day injured list, which means they weren't taking up spots on the 40-man roster. And the players who are in that list include Hunter Harvey, Jorge Lopez, Keegan Aiken, Jorge Mateo, and DJ Stewart. Now, if you add all five of those guys back onto the 40-man, it gives you a full roster. And the Orioles will have to add all those guys back the day the World Series ends. So that brings me to a full 40-man roster after you take a look at those moves. And one more thing that will happen is Fernando Abad, who was with the Orioles on a one-year minor league deal this season and actually ended the year on the 40-man roster because the Orioles called him up late in the year and he stuck in the bullpen, did the veteran left-hander. And honestly, I would not be surprised if the Orioles brought Abad back on another minor league deal in 2022 because he actually pitched fairly well at the end of the season out of the bullpen. He's got a lot of experience as a reliever, been on a lot of teams for a lot of years in the majors. But one 
something that will happen with Fernando Abad is that as soon as the World Series ends, his contract will be up, he will become a free agent, and he will come off the 40-man roster. So when the World Series ends, the Orioles will officially that next day have 39 players on the 40-man roster. So it will give them one open spot heading into the offseason. And honestly, not a bad spot to be in because the O's, you know, do have room to move other guys off. And of course, uh, we'll be looking to add players throughout the offseason. So it's nice to at least not start with a full one and at least have one open spot to kind of start the offseason. So that is where, you know, the roster will land. And the guys like Harvey, Lopez, Aiken, Mateo, and Stewart, you know, some of them may not be back with the Orioles next year, but you think the Orioles will at least start the offseason by putting those guys back on the 40-man roster. So that's what it's going to look like, 39 players heading into the offseason. But, of course, the Orioles will have a lot of moves to make, and we know they're going to have some some tough decisions. Some decisions maybe not as tough, but either way, they're going to have to DFA or get rid of some of these guys on the 40-man this offseason. And coming up after the break, we're going to talk about which players are obvious locks to stay on the 40-man roster throughout the offseason and you know start next year, whether it be with the Orioles or in AAA Norfolk, but be on the 40-man. And then which players you know maybe are wishy-washy. They could stay, they could go. And there's also some players that I think are still on this 40-man that are uh, definite DFA guys who are going to be off that roster to give the O's some flexibility. We'll talk about those three categories and where the players fit coming up after this break. So we'll get back to breaking down the Orioles' 40-man roster crunch this offseason in just a second. But first, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So now that we have established kind of what the Orioles 40-man roster looks like heading into the offseason, let's take a look at what it could look like, you know, more at the end of the offseason. And this is not exactly what it's going to look like because the Orioles are obviously going to add players and we don't know who they are. They're not in the organization right now. They're going to add some players who are in the org, but some players from outside as well. But at least let's take a look at, you know, what players could be taken off, what players are on the bubble, and what players are definitely locks to stay on the 40-man roster for the rest of the offseason. So let's assume we are here past the World Series. We're at the 39-man 40-man roster for the Orioles. The five players on the 60-day injured list have been added back. Fernando Abad has chosen free agency. He is a free agent. And then you have the guys that I talked about, Wins, Valeka, Eshelman, and Connor Wade are off the roster as of last weekend. So let's start with the pitchers that are locks. These are guys who I think under really no circumstances are going to be outrighted, DFA'd, anything off the 40-man roster. Maybe these guys could be traded potentially if you think about it that way, but I would say overall these are guys who are going to be back with the Orioles heading into 2022. And just going through the guys 
in alphabetical order. Obviously, Keegan Aiken, he will be back. Mike Bauman in that category as well. I think Marcos Duplan, with how well he pitched down the stretch at times, only 24 years old, I think the Orioles will hold on to him. I think with what Chris Ellis did last season uh, for the Orioles after coming over on waivers, they're going to give him a shot uh, in spring training. I think he will stay. Now, some people don't agree with this. I think the Orioles hold on to Paul Fry. I know it got really bad at the end of the season, but I think they're going to keep him. In terms of other pitcher locks going into next year, you know, I would say Dean Kramer, you know, despite all the struggles, he is still a lock heading into next season. I think Jorge Lopez is a pretty big lock for the Orioles. I think they're going to pay him, you know, about the $1.5 to $2 million in arbitration. I think they want to get a better look at him as a reliever, and I think he is going to stay on the roster. Zach Lowther, obviously, as another younger pitcher, will stay. John Means is the biggest number one lock of the year. Tanner Scott, I think the Orioles will give his arbitration money to. He will be back. Cole Salser could potentially be a trade candidate, but I would say he's a lock onto the roster. Dylan Tate falls into the same category. He will be back with the Orioles. Obviously, Tyler Wells will be there for Baltimore with how good he was here in 2021. And then, of course, the two young lefties, Alexander Wells and Bruce Zimmerman, both will be sticking with the Orioles into 2022. So if you just take a look at the locks as of pitchers, that gives you 15 pitchers. And there are some guys we're going to talk about next who I would say are on the bubble or even probably on the good side of the bubble. But I would say stone cold lock guys, I would put 15 pitchers. So that takes 15 spots of your 40. Then you go to the position players. And this one in a little more limbo. There's not going to be as many complete locks. I don't think either of the catchers are locks to be back. But guys who I think will be back, Ryland Bannon, despite you know a really, really tough you know season, this year, he's still a prospect for the Orioles. I think he's still going to be on that 40-man roster. Jemai Jones, obviously, with what they gave up to get him, will stay. You know, Trey Mancini, we'll see if there's a potential trade, but at this point, I would put him in the lock category. Ryan Mountcastle and Ramon Arias, two obvious ones as well. Yusniel Diaz had a horrendous season, but I'm going to keep him on that locks list. Austin Hayes is obvious. Ryan McKenna is obvious. Cedric Mullins is obvious. And again, Tyler Nevin pretty much there as well for the Orioles uh, that you can add onto that list. So again, with the hitters, not as many locks to look at. So that's 10 hitters to add on to your 15 pitchers. So basically you're looking at 25 guys who I don't think will move. And again, maybe the Orioles could surprise us with trading one of those guys, non-tendering them, you know, moving on from one of them, who knows. But I do think, you know, of the 39 guys that they'll kind of start the offseason with, I feel like 25 of them, you can have it on pretty good authority that they will be back with the Orioles on the 40-man in spring training in 2022. So that leaves you 14 players, other than that, who uh, could be definitely on a bubble this offseason. So let's start with the pitchers who I would kind of put into the bubble category. Could be back, could be gone. It kind of depends on how the Orioles see him. I think that starts with Connor Green. I think he's on the side of Probably won't be back, and the ERA wasn't great. It was over seven, but he had some good stretches. Brandon Hyde went to him in some big spots. He has a couple of good pitches, and if you remember, you know the Orioles DFA'd him once, the Dodgers picked him up, and then the Orioles claimed him again when the Dodgers waved him, making me think, you know what, the O's see something there. I'm going to put Hunter Harvey on the bubble as well. I think ultimately he will be back and the Orioles give him a shot, but with how bad it's been for him with injuries and, you know, he's just getting older and, and is not, you know, he's not an old pitcher, but again, all this time passes, more guys are going to pass him on the depth chart. I think he will be back, but I would not call him a lock by any stretch. 
Joey Crable looked pretty good at the end of the year for the Orioles. Uh, the reliever, the O's, plucked from the Rays on waivers. I would like to see him back, but I think if there is a definite roster crunch, just because he hasn't had a lot of major league time, I think the Orioles could put him on waivers. I kind of call him a 50-50 heading into next season. Definitely a guy that is on the bubble. I'd put Isaac Matson on the bubble as well. That was a guy who the Orioles actually protected from the Rule 5 draft last offseason by adding him to the 40-man, and he had kind of a disappointing year. You know, only pitched about five innings in the bigs, wasn't great out of the AAA Norfolk Bowl pen either but the Orioles acquired him in the Dylan Bundy trade they they had enough you know stock in him to keep him on the 40 man last year and I think that means there's a good chance they would keep him this offseason but nothing is definite uh, with Isaac Matson for that one so those are kind of your bubble pitchers for the Orioles and then you turn to the bubble hitters I would say there's a there's a nice little group of these guys I, I put Kelvin Gutierrez in that group for the Orioles, I think, uh, you know, he brought really good defense. We're not sure what the bat brings. We'll see how the Orioles would play the offseason in terms of signing, you know, better major league level infielders. But Kelvin Gutierrez definitely kind of squarely on the bubble this offseason. I think he falls right into the same case as Jorge Mateo. You know, could definitely be back. Brings a lot to the Orioles. But, you know, he was a waiver guy, not a nose prospect. And, you know, he does struggle with the bat at times. He brings you a lot of other good things on the field. But we will see. And then the other two kind of bubble guys... Anthony Santander, you know, production would be enough to get him back, but I think he's a serious non-tender candidate, so I'm going to put him squarely on the bubble for that reason. And then DJ Stewart. The production has not been there, but he's a former Orioles first-round pick. The O's keep giving him chances, and maybe they would give him one more chance next season. So to go along with the 25 locks, that's seven bubble players right there. And I think those guys could kind of go either way. And if the Orioles did decide to keep all of them, that gives you 32 guys on the 40-man roster to work with. And again, that's a fairly big number when you think about the amount of prospects the O's have to keep and the fact that the Orioles are going to be signing more major league-ready players than they have the last couple of years. So I don't think there's any case where all seven of those guys are kept. I think maybe three of them, potentially four at the most, uh, could be back with the Orioles. But I would put them all on the bubble. Then there is a group of guys who I think are just gone this offseason. Starts with Eric Hanhold, you know, journeyman reliever, was just up to help the Orioles out, obviously, at the end of the season. I think he's gone. I'd put Brooks Krisky in that category as well. I know the Orioles picked him up on waivers from the Yankees this year, so maybe they saw something, but I just didn't see enough when he was on the mound with the Orioles to keep him around. Spencer Watkins falls into that same category. I know he did have a good stretch as a starter, and I'm surprised, honestly, that Watkins hasn't already been outrighted off the roster by the Orioles, but I think at the end of the day, when the O's look at it, Watkins is, you know, about to be 30 years old. It was his first year in the bigs. He just doesn't have have the stuff to keep him around. I think he is an easy go. Uh, Nick Shufo, same thing. You know, he got put on the 40-man at the end of the year. Orioles might like his catching depth. I think they're going to hope they can get him through waivers and keep him in the system, but I just don't think it'll be enough to keep him on the roster. I think Pedro Severino is a pretty easy non-tender candidate, which I've talked about, so I'd take him off the roster as well. And then the last guy who I think is definitely gone is Richie Martin. He's just shown that he cannot hit at the big league level. The defense has gotten worse. And with all the infield options the Orioles already have and are planning to add this offseason, you just can't keep Richie Martin around. So he would be the final of the seven players on that roster who I think are pretty much going to be gone and are definitely going to be off the roster 
to you know give a spot to somebody else. So kind of heading into the offseason, I would say at the very most, the Orioles would have 32 of the 39 players they would currently have still on the roster. And as I said, I think a few more of those guys are going to be gone. So at the end of the day, I would say maybe 28 to 29 of the current 39 probably are on the 40-man when it comes to spring training of 2022, which means the Orioles are going to have cuts to make. And it, honestly, it could be less than that 28 or 29 number that I just talked about. And, you know, some of those open openings are for other waiver claims. We know Michael Elias is going to be all over the waiver market this offseason when these other teams have to cut down their 40-man rosters. You think about the better teams that have to do this. You know, when the Orioles are doing this, they're DFAing guys who really shouldn't be on any other major league team than the Orioles. But when a team like the Rays has to cut down their roster, or the Dodgers or the Padres have to do it, that's when the Orioles are going to jump in and make waiver claims for themselves, and that's why you keep some spots open. You obviously also have to keep spots open for the free agents you're going to sign. We hope the Orioles, you know, bring in an infielder who's major league ready. Bring in at least one starting pitcher, maybe two. Bring in a reliever and potentially another catching option as well. And then, of course, you have to leave space for the prospects, the guys you want to put on the 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. And coming up next on our final segment, that's what we're going to talk about, which prospects for the Orioles are eligible for the Rule 5 draft and which of them I think they could, at least at this point, put on the 40-man roster to keep them in the organization. That's coming up after the break. So we're back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first got to tell you about Built Bar and all of their delicious flavors of protein bars. They've got flavors like coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, and that is just to name a few. There's so many good ones, it's pretty hard to pick a favorite flavor, but if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can order a mixed box. They will send you two of each of the nine flavors, and then you will have a better chance at choosing your favorite. But here's the best thing about Built Bars. You're eating the bars, they're delicious, taste just like a candy bar, and then you remember, oh wait, Built Bars are healthy too. Most of the bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, and only about 4 or 5 grams of sugar, and about 4 or 5 grams of net carbs. So if you want to get your hands on some of these delicious and nutritious Built Bars, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So as we finish looking through kind of what the Orioles 40-man roster looks like and what it could look like, I think I came down to on that last segment, you know, 28, maybe 29 guys of the current 39 who I think, you know, will be with the Orioles next year. So let's put out that 28 number. You know, let's leave the Orioles some room to make some moves here. So 28 guys and you've got a 40-man roster. Now, in terms of guys that they should sign, I think at the very least, you know, one infielder, one starting pitcher. And, you know, I do think they're going to bring in another catcher. So that gives you three spots, gets you up to 31. Now, let's even give them a second pitcher, whether it's a starter or a reliever, to 32. And another position player. How about 33 guys? So let's say at maximum, the Orioles have room for seven guys that are prospects to add. And it could be less than that. You add in waiver claims and all this kind of stuff, but let's even give them seven. That's probably on the high end in terms of spots for prospects. But there are definitely... A lot of interesting names who potentially could have to be added this offseason. Now, 
Last offseason, they protected six players from the Rule 5 draft. Yuzniel Diaz, Ryland Bannon, Mike Bauman, Zach Lowther, Alexander Wells, and Isaac Matson. Now, looking at going into this year, I think, you know, even with the struggles of Diaz and Bannon, I think all of those were the right decision, maybe except for Isaac Matson. You know, he did struggle, and Zach Pop was okay at the major league level with the Marlins. Probably would have taken, you know, even in hindsight, pop over Matson. But other than that, you know, happy with what the Orioles did. The only other player who was taken from the O's last year in the Rule 5 draft was Gray Fenter. The Cubs took him, had him in spring training for like three weeks, sent him right back to the Orioles, and uh, he pitched this entire season in double-A buoy. He is, again, you know, a guy who could be taken. I don't think another team will go for Fenter this time around. Now, there is a large group of guys who have, uh, you know, the chance to be taken in the Rule 5 draft. And, you know, it's an interesting number of names because there's also guys who have been passed up before. You know, there are the guys like Gray Fenter, who is right back to this spot. He is eligible, and he has been passed up on before. There's a guy like Cody Sedlock, who made it to AAA with the Orioles. He's another guy who, you know, was a first-round pick and was passed up last offseason by other teams. He was eligible, and the Orioles did not add him to the 40-man roster. And now there are a whole lot of players who could be added, but here are kind of uh, the top names. These were kind of added together uh, by Rock Kabako of Masson and also uh, an article on Camden Chat and a couple other places kind of put together the biggest names uh, that are eligible for the Orioles this offseason. But first, I did want to give kind of the quick breakdown of, of how a player becomes eligible for the Rule 5 draft. There's actually a lot of rules uh, that could make a player eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Obviously, the number one is if they are not on the 40-man roster by the deadline, which is usually right around November 20th. That's probably going to be the deadline the Orioles are going to have to add these prospects to the Rule 5 draft, so less than a month at this point. But it's anyone who signs their first contract before age 19. So these are guys who were drafted at a high school uh, or players who were, you know, signing their contracts as international free agents at a younger age than that. They're eligible after they have played their fifth pro season. So after they've played five full pro seasons in the team's organization and they have not been added to the 40 man, they are eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Anyone who signs at 19 or older, which is most guys who are drafted out of college, they're eligible after their fourth pro season. So anybody you see drafted out of college, they've played four full seasons in the minor leagues and haven't been added to the 40-man yet, then other teams can pick them up in the Rule 5 draft. And, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting number of names that the um, Orioles have in this group. And, you know, you look at a guy like Adley Rutschman. He is not eligible yet because he was drafted in 2019. That's only two years in the minors for Adley so far. But Adley's going to be a guy who's going to be added to the 40-man next year anyway when he comes up to the big leagues. Same thing with Grayson Rodriguez. He was drafted at a high school in 2018. That's only been three years, but we expect him in the big leagues next year, and he'll be added to the 40-man. So you got to think about having spots for those guys as well. But, you know, you obviously have a lot of guys who get added to the 40-man before this cutoff because they are good enough to get to the big leagues. But first of all, let's get the group of guys who were actually available to be taken in the Rule 5 draft last season and did not get drafted and are still with the Orioles and are still in that spot this year. You have guys 
like Ofelki Peralta, who had a good bounce-back year for the O's, got to Norfolk as a starting pitcher. Cody Sedlock, who turned back into a starter and, again, got to AAA Norfolk. You have Cameron Bishop, who uh, spent a lot of time injured this offseason. He's currently in the Arizona Fall League. He got to AA. Felix Bautista, interesting big uh, reliever who became the closer at high A, double A, and triple A with the Orioles this season. Uh, and then you have a guy like Mason McCoy, who spent the whole year this year as the starting shortstop in triple A. And uh, you can also add in Nick Vespi, uh, who had a good year as a reliever, got to triple A this year. And then Brett Cumberland, who spent most of the year as a catcher in triple A, had a couple of injury stints and also had a big slump in the second half of the season as well. So those guys will remain up for grabs. And I think the Orioles could consider a couple of those guys, especially a guy like Peralta and a guy like Batista, who had so much success at AAA that other teams would probably think, hey, we could grab that guy. You know, both of those guys are older, Bautista and Peralta, 25, 26, and probably put him on the major league roster and keep him on the team. Remember the rules for the Rule 5 draft. If you select a player in the Rule 5 draft, that player has to stay either on your active roster or on the injured list for the entirety of the season. So, you know, teams can select a player from the Orioles, but if they, you know, don't want to keep them on the major league roster for whatever reason, they're not performing or they just don't have space for them. They just return them back to the O's. That's what happened with Gray Fenter last year. Cubs took him, tried him out in spring training, realized he wasn't going to make the team, sent him back to the Orioles. The opposite happened with Zach Pop. The Marlins got him. They realized they'd have a spot for him in the bullpen all year. He finished the year with the Marlins. Now he is a part of the Miami Marlins system. So there will be times when guys get drafted by other teams and then are sent back to you, even if you don't protect them in the Rule 5 draft. But then there are the players who are eligible for the first time this offseason to be selected. Here are the names who are notable in the Oriole system. D.L. Hall, Adam Hall, Kyle Bradish, Robert Newstrom, Kevin Smith, Taryn Vavra, Blaine Knight, and Lamar Sparks. Those are kind of the big-time names who could potentially need to be protected by the Orioles. A couple more to add to that list as well. Actually, Patrick Dorian and Caden Grenier should also be put on that list as well. There are a couple of more interesting cases here for the O's. So let's take a look at kind of who the O's could pick. And again, probably seven max spots. They would take no more than seven guys to add to the roster. Let's start with the easy ones for the Orioles. D.L. Hall is obviously going to be added to the 40-man roster this offseason. He is the Orioles' number three prospect. He is their second best pitching prospect. He's their best left-handed prospect. Obviously, he dealt with another injury issue in 2020, that, or 2021, I should say, that kept him out for most of the AA season. But when he's back, he'll be on a track to get to AAA pretty early in 2022. And if he pitches well, could be in the big leagues late next season, and at worst, should be on the Orioles opening day 2023 roster. He is a great prospect. He was a former first-round pick. He is an easy addition. The other easy addition is Kyle Bradish, who was the best pitcher the Orioles got back from the Angels in the Dylan Bundy trade a couple of years ago. He was hyped up by the system all throughout the pandemic for being the, the the fastest riser. He made a couple of starts in AA, was dominant, went to AAA, struggled a bit at times with the tides, but overall finished out really, really strong as a starter in AAA. He is on a path to get to the big leagues in 2022. He is another easy addition for the Orioles. So I would say they have two no-brainer easy additions. That leaves, you know, five spots at the most. Then you get to the, well, maybe, maybe not kind of guys that you have to look at. 
I think that list starts with Robert Newstrom. Newstrom was one of the breakout guys in the Orioles system this year. You know, a college outfielder from Iowa who just started hitting bombs in Bowie this year and got sent to AAA Norfolk. I don't know if the Orioles have a way to get him significant time in the big leagues in 2022, but you got to remember they added guys like Matson, Diaz, and Bannon who combined to play four games at the big leagues in 2021, and they added those three guys in 2020. So I do think the Orioles will add Robert Newstrom and protect him from the Rule 5 draft, which gets you to three players. Then you have some more interesting cases. One of them is Kevin Smith. He was the player that the Orioles got back from the Mets in the Miguel Castro trade at the deadline, was the 2019 Mets minor league pitcher of the year, was having all that success at the Mets alternate site in 2020. He had a rough year in 2021. He started out great in Bowie, got pushed up to AAA Norfolk, and then he was not good at Norfolk for long stretches of time. Orioles kept him in AAA for the rest of the year, left-handed pitcher with some solid stuff. It's going to be an interesting spot for the Orioles, but I think they'll hold on to Kevin Smith. You know, he was a big piece from Miguel, the Miguel Castro trade. I think maybe it was just a little too early for him to jump to AAA. I think they'll keep him around, they'll put him back in AAA, and I think they will hold on to him, so that gives you four names. The one more guy I think they would consider protecting is Taron Vavra, who came over from the Rockies in the Michael Givens trade. The only issue with Vavra is he was in double-A with the Orioles this year, then got hurt, missed most of the season, and really hasn't even sniffed getting close to triple-A, which makes you think, you know, would a team take a hitter like that, an infielder, who hasn't really been that close to the big leagues, but I think he's got solid potential to get kept, which gets you to five. Then, you know, you have all these other interesting pieces. You have a guy like Blaine Knight, who was a former Orioles third-round pick, who was a disaster, if you remember, in 2019 in high A, but he really bounced back this year. He pitched well at double A, and he ended the season pitching pretty well at triple A. He's got big stuff, but he is kind of a volatile pitcher, can kind of lose the command at any time. He's an interesting look. Cody Sedlock, I don't think the Orioles will protect him. They didn't protect him last year, and he didn't get picked in the Rule 5 draft. I don't think they'll do it this year. Ofelki Peralta, I don't think they'll protect him either. They got him through last year. I think they'll be able to get him through again. Caden Grenier, you know, the defense is good. I just don't think the offense is there enough for another team to take him. I don't think he'll be protected. Adam Hall, you know, he's eligible, but he hasn't played above high A, and he had a disastrous season at high A. I don't think there's any chance another team drafts him in the Rule 5 draft and puts him in the big leagues. So I think Adam Hall will not be protected, but I also think he'll, he'll be safe. Patrick Dorian is an interesting name, had the breakout season in the Orioles system, was hitting bombs all year for Bowie, and got to play in AAA for the last couple of weeks of the season. But I don't think the O's will protect Dorian, to be honest. If a team wants to take a risk on Dorian, who's really had the one good year in the minors at AA, they can take him. The Orioles have a lot of infield options at this point. And, uh, you know, I know Dorian's one of the better ones at the higher minor leagues, but they have so many of those guys coming up at the lower minor leagues, like Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, and others. And if they're already keeping Taron Vavra, I do not think they would keep Patrick Dorian. So I'm kind of looking at this list, and I'm seeing probably five guys that I think the Orioles will keep. I'll throw out Felix Bautista in there as well. I think the Orioles could potentially put him on the 40-man because I legitimately think that Orioles and other teams see Bautista as an immediate major league relief arm in 2022 and if the Orioles think that there's a chance another team thinks that and if they don't protect him they could lose him this offseason so I think there's a chance there so there's six players I set a max of seven I think those could be the guys that are protected and again you know as of guys who may not be protected and could be picked 
I think there's a chance that a guy like Patrick Dorian could be picked. I think there's a chance if the Orioles don't protect a guy like a Cody Sedlock or a Peralta, again, I think they could be picked. Uh, I don't think a Blaine Knight or a Kevin Smith just because of their struggles in the past at different times. And, uh, you know, it definitely is, though, a very interesting list of guys that the Orioles have to look at, and they're going to make, you know, a lot of tough decisions this offseason. We're going to look even further into this list of guys that the Orioles could protect as prospects as we get closer to that deadline, which I don't believe has been reported yet, but it's usually right around November 20th is the date when the Orioles and all the teams have to decide on protecting these prospects. And when you think about opening up spots on the 40-man roster, remember this too, the Orioles every single year take at least one player in the Rule 5 draft that they have to add to their 40-man And the last couple of years, they've taken two players in the Rule 5 draft, which means the Orioles are going to try to, on the day of the Rule 5 draft, have no more than 38 players on their 40-man roster. That could be taken into account when they're doing this crunch as well. But that's not the the last time we're going to look at this 40-man roster crunch on this podcast this offseason. We're going to take a look at it plenty of times, especially as we get closer and closer to the deadline for protecting players, protecting prospects from the Rule 5 draft. But wanted to give the initial look because, you know, the Orioles made those first couple of moves this weekend with, you know, waving Valleca and, you know, guys like Austin Wins and others to start freeing up space. And it's starting to get to that time when, you know, the minds are churning and trying to figure out who is going to be an Oriole in 2022. But again, we'll talk about a lot more of that as we get closer to that date. In terms of the rest of the week here on this podcast, we'll get back to our season report card grade series for the Orioles, grading out every player who played for the O's in 2021 and is still with the organization. We will be back here on tomorrow's episode talking about the Orioles catchers as Matthew Pine is going to join us, one of the co-hosts of the Nate Hit the Foul Pole pod covering the Orioles. We're going to talk catchers because we're going to talk about three catchers, Pedro Severino, Austin Wins, and Nick Schufo. There's a chance, as I just talked about, none of them are back with the Orioles next year, but it was an interesting position for the O's this year, and we will talk about that. Give out grades on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.